This is a HeadGum Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Your specific facts will almost always change the outcome, and you should always seek an attorney before doing anything. Literally anything. Ryan Morrison is an attorney licensed in New York, and Austin and O'Connor are just normal humans not licensed to do anything anywhere. Proceed with caution. You find yourself in the halls of Ironforge, heavy on desire for cool stuff, but light on time. Work and sleep occupy most of your life, but you really want to get that cool flaming helmet and that ice shard sword for your warrior. Plus, that elf just flew by on a griffin! Where can you get that? Oh, it takes 20 days of grinding reputation with a faction? Can't you just buy it with gold? You can! But people are selling it for 20 times its worth because there are so few of them. This is the nerdiest opening we've ever done by a mile. Well, you do have real money from your real job. So you message one of the 30 gnomes spamming chat money. with buy real gold, instant transfer, have good game, 100% trust. One PayPal transaction later, your mailbox has all the gold you could want in it, just waiting to be spent. You go to the auction house, only to find that the equipment you wanted isn't for sale anymore. But someone's selling it in chat! So you answer their message. You start the trade. He puts the armor up and you the gold. You trade, but then he disconnects and disappears. That's weird. Wait, where's the equipment you bought? You never got it! Where's your gold? It's gone! Anyone listening to this is already definitely done. Should you submit a ticket reporting the theft? What if an administrator discovers that you've purchased the gold? That's illegal in the game, punishable by a terrifying suspension! Exhausted... You leave the world of backstabbing, duplicity, and elves behind, and enter a fitful slumber. But you're off tomorrow, and at least you can get some solid game time in. You wake up the next morning, ready to slay some orcs. But when you try to log in, you're informed that your password's incorrect. How could that be? You reset the password, only to find that all your characters are naked, stripped of their valuables. A minute later, you're kicked from the game! When you try to log back in, you receive a message that your account has been banned for spamming gold sale messages all night while you slept. You hop on your PS4 to play Destiny instead. You're safe from the scammers there. Until Destiny 2 comes out. You gotta buy that silver for those in-game emotes. And with that ridiculous and over-the-top nerdy introduction, welcome to Robot Congress. I am Ryan Morrison. I am Austin Hoffman. And I'm Ryan O'Connor. Can you come on? What do you, well, I can't do the Austin voice of the night, Ryan O'Connor. You don't have to, but you can just talk like you're alive. But the you listeners can... will come to love the fact that I'm dead inside. And we want you to sound alive. But yes, that is Ryan O'Connor. And <laughs> together we are looking this week at MMO scammers. We're going to look at everything. People who use bugs in trade windows to steal from you. People who hack your accounts. People who steal things from you in-game. People who con you out of items. People who tell you that they're going to sell you a portal to the city and instead you just end up in the middle of a bunch of terrifying monsters. That's not a scam, but that's hilarious. And we're going to look at the, the, the big hitters in this area. So EVE Online is obviously... How is it a scam? How is it not a scam? It's it's still a... it's I mean, according to what it's we're going to be talking trick. about. Okay, so I just want to set the precedent here because I don't think that's a scam, but... The second we start talking about other scams, it seems like that will fit in pretty well. I don't think that's a scam at all. I think tricking someone into killing themselves in a game is is nothing but funny. But you're not tricking them. You're It's false advertising. Yes. I'm glad we did an episode on real life things where you took such a hard line of people are not allowed to kill themselves at all. But can people kill themselves in video games? <laughs> yes. Well, that's because you just respawn. That line is just ugh, scary. I, it's scary with you. You have a weird... Uh, you have a very weird, a jagged line. up and it's down taken line. Decades of friendship to understand and appreciate, but my God, that line is so strange. Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how the two are related. But either way, where uh, I, yeah, I have my principles, and I will not falter. You uh, got something. <laughs> so to start us off, let's go through a couple of the more famous scams in the game. I actually tweeted out asking you guys for stories, and we got a lot of. Very funny tales. Some really sad as well. 
I would say 90% were from EVE, but uh, there were a few people in WoW, a few people in Diablo, a few people all over the place. And one person who really uh, struck a chord who said they bought Elder Scrolls Online and couldn't get a refund from Bethesda, so they felt the most scammed out of anybody. <laughs> That's not fair. And that person's allowed access to the internet. <laughs> I just, I mean, they're, they're idiots. Elder Scrolls Online is, is a terrible MMO, but a wonderful game. It's basic. If you just pretend it's another Elder Scrolls game, you'll love it. The story is amazing. Incorrect. There's very little grinding, but the uh, the MMO aspects are pretty not there. It's it's not a it's barely a multiplayer game. I would say. I wish but, they just made it a single player game with no MMO. That way, it would have single player gameplay as opposed to MMO gameplay. See, yeah, Morrison, I'm shocked I, you want to play it at all I, because I, you love the grind. Because working 12 hours a day for your law firm isn't enough. You got to get on there. You got to mine some fish. No, I don't. I never liked the grind of that. I've always been more into the Dude, lore and you, stuff. You did the fishing thing. It's fake fishing. Wait, I never. Like, I was. You do the fishing I, I thing too, O'Connor. No, I didn't do the fishing. I didn't do any of those things. That's the reason why I quit MMOs because I realized, oh wow, I grew up and have a real life job where everything sucks like this. And no, yeah, I never for, want to play it. For the uninitiated, MMOs are massive multiplayer online games. They are World of Warcraft is probably one you've heard of. We're going to use that as an example throughout most of this. Because what about this EverQuest? People are familiar with or Ultima Online. Don't know those, but those are other examples. And we're going to look at the relationship between the players and, and everything else there. But most importantly, uh, just to give a quick little run through of what these games are, it's it's a role playing game where you play as a character. You level that character up. You play them for hundreds of hours, and there is no end to the game Hundreds you're constantly doing something to get something that's going to help you do the next thing and then that next thing is only to be done to get something to eventually help you do the next thing and that's the cycle you're you never satisfied the huge you never wolf. win you need to kill the and little wolves first you then you can it. kill the big wolf and you need to kill the big wolf so you can get his tooth so you can make a sword to kill the hydra and you want to kill the hydra after that you can kill the dragon but you need to kill the hydra first and then then you can kill the dragon but you find out there's a bigger dragon and then there's just a bigger dragon you, you just keep chasing that dragon and, and then like at the end of all of it which again will only be the end for a couple of days until they patch in another raid or something but at the end of all that after you spend hundreds of hours killing all these different things and you finally get to the final boss the only reason you kill that final boss and you kill them a lot of different times because they don't drop it every time is to get like a weird bird that will follow you around. Or it's, you uh, can get a griffin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just entirely unrewarding, but you, you, it's fun. I mean, Or you can get a friend. It's no. no, it's or, not. Well, it's, I smoke cigarettes, too, and I don't enjoy that. I think it's I, I know I have an addictive personality. So it's uh, MMOs are the cigarettes of games. They slowly kill you. There's nothing great about them. They are uh, played because they're addicting, and that's it. You guys missed my chasing the dragon Thank, joke. I, I appreciate your honesty on that one because it is job 2.0. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, just go play Second Life then. Is why, is there why? not enough illusion in Second Life? I don't play Second, play Second Life because I'm not into furry sex dungeons. Is that what Second Life is? I thought you bought houses and you like were able to fly. According to the if office. You buy the house so you can have furry sex dungeons in, <laughs> there's, in there. There's no house in Second Life that doesn't have a furry sex dungeon in the basement. And not listen, we have a lot of furry listeners and no, nothing wrong with that. God bless you all. Enjoy your, your, your yes, fetishes you. however you do. Uh, there's no judgment from us. And on yeah, that yeah, note, yeah. though, so I don't want to go in your furry sex dungeon. <laughs> I think we all enjoy a bit of yaoi. There's nothing to be ashamed of with that. What is a yaoi? What the hell is a yaoi? You know what? Hold on. I'm going to make you cut. O'Connor, I'm going to make him cut it if he answers anyway. So just we're not just pretend he didn't say that. And we're going to move on and uh, go through some of the more popular scams. O'Connor, run us through the ones that really stood out to you when you were looking through the, the, the lists. Well, guys, do you want me to go with? I found two that I liked. Well, two that caught my eye. One of them is kind of funny and hilarious, but also teaches you a real-life lesson. And the other one is just the guy's like a really bad person, and it's not okay. Well, let's go with the bad person one. Yeah. Okay. So 2007 in Second Life, which we just joked about with the furry sex dungeon. This does not involve a furry sex dungeon. Are you sure? It involves there, There's like three zones it. you can go to that don't have furry sex dungeons. Well, Those are more one like of them. One of them is the bank. Yes, that is correct, Austin. Oh, my God. And, an avatar named Nicholas Porto Carrero, which we never found out the player's name behind it, fantastic, created a player-run bank, which means that unlike in the other games where like, if you have like a bank in an MMO, it's it's run by the game itself. You put your money in there. It, it's not like a real-life bank at all. You just store your – it's a nice place to store your stuff. This place in Second Life, because it's supposed to be like real life on crack, is a real-life bank. You put your money in there. You invest 
it gives you interest, yada, yada, yada. Well, the player can invest their in-game money called Linden Dollars. In and those Linden Dollars are going to be super important throughout everything because they are the uh, they are a currency. They are treated internationally as a real currency. They were around before Bitcoin, and a lot of people buy and sell Bitcoin with Linden Dollars because you can get them through the Second Life website. That's correct. Unlike most other games, trading the Linden Dollars for real-life money is not only allowed, but on the company's main website. So you There can are just... ATMs in the game where you can go both ways with your Lindens. Yeah, they just want your money left and right. That's insane. Because sometimes Big Bird's going to, you know, if he wants $50 for that, that door charge. Yeah, you got to. You got to buy I mean, your in-game huge ain't cheap. Yep. Uh, so you got to think this is 2007, just around the same time the economy went into crapper, around the same time as the Madoff scandal. This Nicholas Porto Carrero created a player-run bank, which ran like a real-life bank that gave you interest and you could invest in, uh, called Ginkgo Financial. And uh, players put their money in there, and just like in real life with Bernie Madoff, they started getting crazy returns on those investments that they started putting in. Uh, so people just kept doing it. And this went on for months. So it wasn't just like a LOL, I got one character to, to invest real-life money and run away. This guy ran it for several, several months. What, what were the investments in? They invested their Linden dollars into the bank, and he said that he ran it out of the Second Life casinos, which, once again, were run off Linden dollars, a.k.a. real-life dollars, and people's PayPal accounts. So that's what his excuse was. And Second Life, at one point, updated their casino rules, which he said affected the bank. He didn't say how. He didn't say why. He didn't say what it affected in particular. But all of a sudden, people started losing access to the funds that they put in this player-run bank. Now, remember, the Second Life game had nothing to do with it. This guy ran it, this Nicholas guy. Uh, all of a sudden, the money in there changed from investment money to perpetual bonds. And don't worry, because we're alienating everyone this story. I had to look what that meant. It's a very complicated structure where he turned debt into profit and was basically just trading on empty promises. Or so he started limiting access to the players' accounts, and then eventually people were completely locked out of their in-game accounts with this Ginkgo Financial, and eventually they had no access at all, and all the money was gone. And when you say all the money, how much did he get away with? 50 bucks. Because there's serious, well, there's serious money in Second Life. I actually wanna, don't know this story. Want to throw so this out? 500 bucks. Well, I, I know there's property in the game that sells for, you know, uh... Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't think this is near that, but I do think this is it, – it's probably not chump change. Second Life is an insane economy. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. $50,000. $100,000 real-life dollars. Wait, those, is that real dollars or Linden yes. X dollars? So it was several million Linden dollars, which translated into real-life dollars with the exchange rate at the time of $700,000. And this is – you know, that's mind blowing. You, you would your immediate reaction should be how can people be so stupid that they would let this guy run a bank with their money? He's, I'm not surprised. he's nobody. He's just some random person. The idea of a Second bank is ridiculous. Is, exactly. Second Life is a good case study on humanity. It is a good case study on when you make everyone anonymous. What do people do? And it turns out they go into furry sex dungeons and they steal from each other. And if, if you go into Second Life, I urge if you're over 18, I urge you to download Second Life and really just look around. You will find Lots of a couple of things on that are yeah, well. First, you might see the the entrance cities or some cool cities where like somebody made Hogwarts and they're like doing a wizard duel and and that's interesting. You can do whatever you want in Second Life, and some people do cool things like that. On the flip side, though, I would say ninety percent of the game, anecdotally, from when I used to look around for it in law school, we actually had to was uh, literally sex dungeons. They were strip clubs. They were casinos that were really mostly just strip clubs. Every imaginable fetish was in there. And the money going around was insane. The the strippers in the game, which are just people with avatars, would make characters, put them on a pole, have them auto dance, put a tip jar in front of them, and it would show in that jar how much money they had, and they would make easily $100 an hour. People would do and, that in Star Wars Galaxies, actually. They'd make some Twi'leks, and they'd make them naked and just dance around the bank, and I think the Starport. Absolutely. And, 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 and you, did you tip the Twi'lek? Of course you tip the Twi'leks. I made a Twi'lek. I like that Twi'leks are an actual like, race Why did that everybody just care about now. Quiet? 
Because I just I, I didn't know how nerdy I wanted to get with. Is it because I made a, a female character and and uh, <laughs> but so Second Life it's it's interesting that's where this happened. I mean it's it I gave you no frame of reference. I said we're doing an episode on virtual goods. Look up some good stories of of MMO scams basically, and you found a Second Life story. That is not by accident. Second Life is a game that makes a boatload of money and also happens to be the case law on almost all virtual goods. If you look up through the, the whatever jurisdiction you're in on the current laws in your area on virtual goods almost always it's going to be something from second life that makes uh, sense though doesn't it i mean it's the most real life i mean obviously we don't all have furry sex dungeons oh, looking at you austin is it's the most real life of the mmos like in eve you own a spaceship i mean how you can't yeah i mean to real that. life is unfair because it's it's not the commercials i mean everything in second life is ridiculous your the imagination is is the only limit and you can do whatever you want in it. But I hear what you're saying. There's there's some kind of structured economy there that's not based on space piracy, which you will get into Eve. But that's very different. Second Life tries to have a real economy, and they, they do successfully. Uh, the first case I ever learned about in law school was actually from Second Life. It was Bragg versus Linden Research, Inc., which is uh, the company that owns the Linden Dollar and Second Life. It was a civil action where this guy Bragg, and I don't believe that was his real name either, uh, figured out a way to buy land in the game through it, it wasn't a hack which is important it was a bug and it allowed him to bet on property in second life which would normally go for about a hundred thousand dollars for ten dollars and he won a bunch of land and wanted to flip it it was he was going to instantly become very rich and second life instead banned his character for exploiting the bug he sued them and it actually got settled out of court as do most cases so we didn't get any real case law on that issue, but they did come up with two other important issues that are interesting but not really relevant here. The, the first is that mandatory arbitration provisions in terms of services are most likely unenforceable and that the person, the player in the game, could sue the company where he lived because they made the game available there, which means Blizzard and World of Warcraft can basically be sued anywhere in the world that you can log onto a computer and play WoW. Huh. In the same vein, I'll be a little differently. When I was looking stuff up, I found a, a court case in China, of all places, where a player sued a gaming company because of a loopholes in the system. But he was actually scammed by a player that was able to use the loopholes in their security systems uh, to take the player's items. And he actually ended up winning. Well, that's interesting and something we're going to get into very shortly. But first, let's let's go with the other story you found out, too, uh, that, that stuck out to you here. So this one seemed a little more lighthearted. It's a little more lighthearted because of the fact that there's nothing they can do about it because of the game. So Austin was talking about EVE Online. It's a uh, it's a sci-fi MMO. You play like Han Solo, like a full-on spacefaring rogue adventurer type. You're a pilot working matter. for a corporation. Yeah, so, but it's... This is known throughout the the webosphere. Or the it's, a, it's, the, it's a wild west. It's a wild yes. west type MMO. It's like it's like Ultima Online was or is because I think that's still around. But even online, basically, there's very few rules. And what you mean by wild west? You mean that pretty much anything goes. It right? means unless you're in the government offices, there are no federal marshals that are going to come after you if you rob a bank. And there's almost like there's no plot. Like you create your own story. Every so, almost everything in Eve is is player driven that includes the economy so in this one it's also a player run bank run by this person in real life's name was dentara rast which sounds like a fantasy name in and of itself he was known as that Callie. was the real name the, he, the guy's real name is dentara rast he's british it's an awesome name that is, an I, awesome is. Name. it's like dash rendar i could be anyway, mad at him so he created the <laughs> eve intergalactic bank or eib which is another player run bank like i said like the second life game uh, and once again, it was just like real life where you could <laughs> put investments in and they, you'd get returns on it. Why are you this, laughing already? I guess this is a good one. Because he ran it for even longer than the Second Life guy. I mean, this was at least over six months. And the longer he runs it, the more credibility it has. Where yes. you can say, listen, I, I've been doing this for five months. Give me more money. Five months? How long did he do it for? I, like six at, months? At, like oh. over six months. So, but what happened was is, and why I think it's funny is that he didn't use it, use the because that game doesn't allow you to trade in-game money for real-life money. In fact, it, you get your account banned for that. So this guy knew that. So all the money that he took, and he took a lot, about one hundred seventy thousand dollars of real-life money in the game, 
And just because he couldn't spend it in real life, built a giant spaceship. Oh, he built a Titan with it? <laughs> Better than anyone else's spaceship. And then put a bounty on himself so <laughs> he could come after him. Oh, that's the other awesome thing about Eve. You can put bounties on players. So he put a bounty on himself, except he had the best ship in the game so no one could stop him. And then... He put a YouTube video up just thanking everybody for being a giant moron and thank everybody for all the in-game money. Yeah, but in Eve, you can expect and the video to get screwed. Is, the, the video is still live. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's 2006 grainy video quality, but it's hilarious how he starts to like, I really just want to thank everybody, and yes, I did this, and you're all a bunch of idiots for letting me do this. That's why I said Eve is like the Wild West. You can expect to get screwed there because there's almost no regulations. There's a very small amount of, like, NPC police that might do something, but nothing with that. Like, Eve's all about, like, people infiltrating enemy corporations and climbing the ladder and then just selling everything in the corporation's bank, basically, and bringing all that money back to their home corporation. And those people, yes. there there are, are stories and their names are, are legend. It's spycraft. It's not, like considered like uh, i mean uh, illegal financial i guess it's still i guess it's still illegal but oh no it's it was it's completely promoted in the second life the only thing that happened when that jinko financial closed up with over half a million dollars of real life money they banned player banks in the game that was it and this this guy didn't get really a pat on the back but nothing happened to him like he they were just like okay This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. This summer, it's the perfect time to create your own website. You can make a splash for your business. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to showcase your work. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or even online businesses, because it's online, on the internet. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, 24-7 award-winning customer support, and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. You get free and secure hosting with Squarespace. People that use Squarespace are people like jewelry designers, clothing designers, instructors, record labels, gyms and studios, real estate brokers, and gamers. Check out Squarespace at squarespace.com. Register a domain name, start your free website or online store trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code ROBOT to save 10%. That's offer code ROBOT. We're brought to you by Penn State World Campus. It allows you to earn your Penn State degree online from anywhere in the world. Getting more info is easy. Visit worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus has admissions counselors and coaches available to help you decide if Penn State World Campus is the best fit for you. Penn State World Campus's convenient, flexible online format is a great option if you're a busy working adult or want to set your own pace to earn your degree. Remember, getting more info is easy. Visit worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus is ranked in the top 10 online graduate programs in business, education, engineering, and technology by U.S. News and World Report. Learn how Penn State World Campus can help you reach your educational goals by visiting worldcampusinfo.com. Penn State World Campus, a world of possibilities online. Your name becomes legend. Look into why. So when there is a theft in the game or when someone's getting screwed over, whether it is a, a playful scam or, or an act outright theft, who or what is going to protect you? Since everyone knows I'm a Blizzard fanboy, let's use World of Warcraft in the hypothetical. You're in World of Warcraft, like Austin said earlier, hanging out, minding your own business, and some orc comes up to you in Ogremar. He says he's looking for a guild and he's heard great things about yours. You're an excited little 14-year-old who worked hard to get anyone in your guild, and now you have strangers coming up asking to join. Austin, you and I ran a guild for a long time. You know we would have been amped if people were asking to join. They did. We had an awesome guild. We did have an awesome guild. Whispers of the Horde, baby, on Maelstrom. Hashtag uh, RP. And for the people who don't know what guilds are, they're, it does, then they're, screw them. Go listen to another episode. Uh, <laughs> here you are, though. Uh, somebody's asking to join. You explain to them. You help each other out. You carry each other through dungeons. You uh, pay for each other's repairs. And you have an open guild bank so that people can get the mats for the items they want to up their professions and things like that. Uh, you go run some five bands with your buddies. And all of a sudden, halfway through, you come back. And there's a whisper in all caps. The bank is empty. You can't believe it. You drop group, you run back to Ogremar, and you look in sadness for yourself. 
That person you just invited took all of the items out of your guild bank, put them on the auction house, and stole everything you and your friends had worked hours and hours, weeks and months for. What do you do? I, I, re- I really like that you, you give cry. Austin one job to do for this podcast, and you take it from him by stealing his little monologues. No, he's what? supposed to do the opening narratives, and he can't even write those out full flesh. <laughs> so I'm going to – it's I, it's fine to have different uh, different things here. But this is the the reason this is funny is because so and so does this sound familiar at all, Austin? Yeah, sure. I mean that that kind of stuff could happen all the time. I remember I, the, I did, t- did it did it happen all the time or or were you that gentleman? Uh, I took one thing out of a guild bank once and <laughs> got in trouble for the one time I took something out after putting so much money in. I took something out and then I think like a day or two went by and I forgot about it and I sold it on the auction house. I got in trouble for it. So. You, yeah, you get, so it was a Something Awful guild. We yep. we used to, uh, our friend was a goon on somethingawful.com, and Austin and I joined the guild, and wow, uh, Austin took one of the most expensive items in the game out of the guild bank, put it on the auction sh- house, and got banned. just make shit up. It was not expensive. It was like a blue. It was like a rare item. It was not worth it. Oh, the, no, it wasn't. And the guild bank everybody shares, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for everyone in that guild, and Austin, uh, it was definitely not one item. They wouldn't have noticed or cared about that. It was a repetitive thing, and Austin was a genius on the auction house, though. He should have... If if we played Second Life instead of WoW, Austin would be a millionaire right now. He would control the entire server's economy when we played. It would need elves. I, I ran the... I, in World of Warcraft, and I, I started with EverQuest, apparently, uh, but in World of Warcraft, yeah, I, I basically bought... At whatever people were selling twink items, like which are high level items to give to like your low level characters, so you can beat stuff up and level faster, I would buy those and then I would sell them higher. And I moved on from that to buying out all the crafting materials on the auction house. So like let's say silk, I would buy out all the silk on the auction house and then relist it all at a higher price, which was by the way a win win. Because that meant that other people could sell stuff a little bit less than me, but they were still getting more money. Uh, you're a regular Donald Trump with your with your selflessness. You're, so you're Austin, you, you so clearly nice. don't need to do this podcast with us because you're clearly a Wall Street fat cat at this point now, right? <laughs> he should be. He should get a stockbroker license. I tell him that all the time. I remember a friend of ours told me that he would that he would give me money to play with on the auction house, but I, I I'm sorry, on the auction house to play with uh, in the stock market. But I told him that I was not comfortable messing with other people's money, and I don't think that that stuff would actually translate because the kind of stuff that I did would be oh, like it absolutely illegal. does not translate. Yeah, exactly. You what you were doing was would be illegal. In yeah, real life. I uh, what uh. was it? It was uh, buying all the orange juice and pork bellies, and you know, uh, cornering the market but, on them. All right, before we get too far down this path, we can talk about all the felonies you've committed throughout your life. Another podcast, but uh, let let's go back to here. So this this person who just robbed this guild bank. Uh, let's talk about everybody's responsibilities. First and foremost, Blizzard. Blizzard's responsibility is zero. They aren't the police. They aren't an at you, and you are not an actual citizen of Azeroth. You pay them to play their game, and they aren't responsible for basically anything that could possibly happen to you. In it, don't shatter my including dreams. Including being scammed. It's true. They they don't have to do anything. No, I am a in citizen fact, of Azeroth. <laughs> that, that terms of service that you agree to when you play, every single player in that game has agreed to the terms of service, or you can't log on. I don't think uh, so. I don't think includes, I've ever agreed to that. It, it includes to making the game too hard, server downtime, or anything else that could possibly go wrong. They have no responsibility in for uh, for it at all. We'll, we'll get into this on another episode very soon, but the terms of service in EULA... Uh, the end user license agreement, they, that protects them from everything. We get a lot of emails saying, this game's cheating, they made it too hard, they killed my guy, so I have to buy more. The server's down every Tuesday, and it was down for four hours longer than it should. I want to sue them for lost money and blah, blah, blah. No, read the terms of service. They can keep it so, down all month. So you're paying them money to get screwed over. You're paying them money it's, to use their service, and their service yeah, is not guaranteed. Every, exactly, and it's it's true of every game you play. It's not It's not just even MMOs. But that's neither here nor there, like I said, another episode. So what about the scammer himself? Surely theft is a crime. Surely manipulating and tricking people into losing their possessions is a crime. Is it in video games also? And that's a very difficult question. And it revolves around a bigger question that is being answered by a lot of people and companies in a lot of different ways. Uh, No two sects of the future here seem to agree on this. And we're going to run through what everybody's thoughts are. But... The question is, is ownership of virtual goods the same thing as ownership of property and goods in the real world? So let's talk about that. Austin, virtual goods, your your cape or your staff in World of Warcraft, 
should that be treated the same as your caper staff in real life? No, because it okay, I say no because if it is, that takes so much fun out of the game. Because that basically destroys the potential for that Wild West, no laws fantasy that you can live in in one of those games. But that's See, not that's, every one of those games. Right. So what do you th- what do you think, O'Connor? Because I I mean, I would disagree with you on that, that on its face there, Austin, that I think the games that have the most value associated to goods have the best best economy. Right. But the, the second fun. that the second that you start imposing real life laws on those games like stealing or pirating in those kinds of games where you kill people and take their stuff, that's that's literally destroying the point of the game. Austin, I think that's a very unique insight into you because I would find that I could still be a necromancer in that game and I can't raise the dead in real life. But what your line is, is, well, I want to be able to screw people over. No, I will get screwed and, over too. I But I, I like that kind of, I, I guess so it's you that like kind of hardcore game walking play. unknown sociopath. Okay, there's a okay let me but, put... But Austin, there's yeah. a difference between that fun you're talking about in EVE where people can screw each other over and things like that because that doesn't translate into real-world money, and it's just not the same thing. If you're screwing someone over in that where everybody's kind of on the same playing field, that's one thing. Okay. But on the other capacity where you look at something like Second Life, where, for example, let's say somebody pays 200000 real dollars to buy a plot of land, and then someone else steals that from them, at some point the uh, fun of the Wild West feature has to be put on the back burner. If no? it's done by a game exploit or, like, by a bug, but if it's done through legitimate means... I mean, like, okay, Ultima Online was one of, the, like, the first MMOs. That game, you could steal people's keys to their houses, and then you own the house because they didn't have a key anymore. Yeah, but no one would buy at one of those houses for $200,000. That's and such a different thing. I just want to get this straight. So you like that part. I like <laughs> the idea that you can get screwed over. I get, I get screwed and, over and too. And that and losing that would be way more heart wrenching than just like, oh well, now I can't play as an if elf you make wizard it, anymore. If you make it a, if you make it too much of like a kitty bounce house that there's no risk in that game, then Ultima Online would not have been as fun. Eve Online wouldn't be fun. Eve Online would like so much of that game's fame comes from people doing crazy shit like that that wouldn't be allowed in a game like world of warcraft because the the mechanics just yeah no i i agree with you on that entirely it's just a matter of uh i think that there's different games with different levels here the, the, i absolutely agree yes so right we're i i i think you're we're not even having the same conversation <laughs> where there there's a level of theft that goes on in these games that is not you know, the fun Wild West atmosphere. It's just straight up like robbing or tricking a 12-year-old into giving you their account. Your opening narrative when we started the podcast turned into somebody who wanted a griffin and paid for real with real-world money through PayPal to some scammer who stole it from him and then got more gold and the gold sellers stole his password to the account. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's not what you're no, defending, that's, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Okay, no, because so that's also hacking somebody's account. So the biggest problem to start fixing these issues when people are stealing from each other or or tricking each other out of things, do I think someone should go to jail for emptying a guild bank? Of course not. But at some point, these items develop such a value to them and such a real world yeah, value to them that it's just impossible to ignore anymore. Uh, I think the law is going to catch up, but it certainly hasn't yet. There's four schools of thought here where... What is a virtual good? It is a blank. And the four answers we're going to run through, the important thing to keep in mind, though, is that in almost all jurisdictions, theft requires property. When I'm committing an act of thievery, I am stealing a piece of property from you and taking it for myself. And without that defined term property in there, there's not a theft. And if we're treating virtual goods as not property, all of a sudden it's really hard to remedy that. And I would say the, uh, the it's hard to say even what the most popular argument is. So what, well, let's just run through them. So the first one is they are worthless and they have no real legal significance. This is what you will read in all of the EULAs. This is what you will read in all the terms of services. Because that's in, them protecting themselves. They're, they're saying exactly. this stuff isn't worth anything. So if somebody steals it from you, then they stole nothing. And we'll get into it on, on the EULA episode, but for now, you'll just have to trust me that nearly every single one of these game companies says they own all these goods, and you are just getting a license to use them. No matter what the item is, no matter what the game is, with a few exceptions, 
You don't own it. You're getting a license to use it. You're just paying me monthly can... to borrow that sword. So if somebody else <laughs> exactly. steals that sword, then no biff. No it fact. just seems like the easiest answer for a company. It's like, yeah, you own none of this, so you can't sue us if you lose it. Well, that makes it's sense. It's absolutely yes, that's what, that's what the easiest about. answer for a company. But the, the reason is, is not this part. The reason is, is if they want to ban you or they want to shut down service or they want to do whatever, they don't owe you anything for their property. If they want to ban your account because you're doing something where that is bannable, if they had to reimburse you for all the money you've spent, if they had to uh, – maybe you got a rare drop that's valued at $10,000. If they had to reimburse you or even consider reimbursing you for all those things, it would be very different and their, their hands would be tied in a lot of circumstances. So instead of that, we see them say, you own none of this. If you spent $10 million on our game, you spent $10 million to get a license we can revoke. And guess what? We're revoking it. And that's it. And that's scary the on the is, face, but... Well, it's very scary, and it's it's the reality of every game with, again, only a few exceptions. And it's, it's, it's very hard for me to agree with that one when you look at the economy in certain games and, and try to justify this. Uh, like I said, we've seen sales in Second Life for plots of land that are near a million dollars. We've seen players spend billions of dollars last year on virtual goods alone. So to say those items are valueless is... It's not going to sit with me. And people do make money off of, like, EVE Online because you can trade that in-game currency for in-game playtime, and then you can trade that in-game playtime for real Oh, that is, that is super interesting. Which, obviously, World of Warcraft that. stole because yeah, they steal well, everything. WoW steals everything that, that works oh, in that's other a, games. That's a good idea. We game. should take that. That's yeah, right. But don't they, doesn't it seem like they would, if they took it, they would not be successful, but they took it and it seems like they perfect on it? No. I don't yeah, like I said. I have like played the Japanese in the nineties. Yeah, every game that's ever come out that is an MMO, uh, WoW has taken a feature or two from, or been inspired by, we'll say, and it is uh, they just do it better. It's a better game. WoW will WoW will go as long as WoW wants. What's the next? Uh, what's what's the next idea? What's the next statement on the on this in-game property? The next argument is that they are personal property, this is, and none of these answers are perfect. I am actually not a fan of any of these answers. I'm a fan of probably writing a new law but the personal property one basically says that these are the same at your your staff in the game is the same as your staff in real life and uh a, a nerdy and weird crime of stealing that staff would still be a crime this would solve <laughs> nearly all the headaches for the player but like i said create an endless list of problems for the game companies it took but me 17 are... hours to get that staff you have to pay me minimum wage for exactly. that for that staff if these goods are valued the way personal property is, then the game companies also have an obscene amount of power. So even though they they might be liable for that money, what if they change the drop rate on the staff that you bought for 10,000 gold and now every pig in Goldshire drops it? Or your entire investment becomes instantly worthless because the company wants to ban your account and delete an item and the, the item's broken or it's just winning too much in PvP. So they just start deleting the item in the game. If if it's personal property, the company is god then. Well, because they Austin run in game and in game think, has your money. Yeah, okay. I think Austin touched on a good part. It's like it took me seventeen hours to get that one item, and it, it's tough to. It's, it just seems tough for a virtual good to have a a time investment allotted to it. Like, how could you argue that? Like, how I, I'm just trying to imagine if I tried to argue this with my dad who has no experience in computer games whatsoever. It's like, no, but this took me like 24 hours of straight play to, to get this one item. And it, it's trying to like explain something to somebody. Well, I'll tell you one person who was convinced by that argument was eBay. Uh, you used to not be able to sell your, your World of Warcraft characters or other characters on a website like eBay, but clever people and and entrepreneurs will always figure out a way and they did here they would say you are not buying this level 50 paladin you are paying me for the time that it took me to earn it and you are uh, this auction on ebay is only for the time i spent on the account and i'm going to give you the account as a throw-in as at the end of it but that has nothing to do with it that's not what you're actually buying and it worked that that for a long time people would buy and sell accounts that way uh, they they used to actually sell EverQuest accounts. You they wouldn't sell the account on eBay, but they would send they would sell a pencil, and you would pay for the shipping for the pencil. You would get the pencil, but it would also have the account information attached to it. So you got Which it that way. Which is super interesting too, because like, how did we trust those account sellers that they weren't just going to send a pencil? Oh, you certainly you didn't. Know? I, I uh, what was it twelve year old me could have gotten screwed easily, but instead twelve year old me got a level thirty seven 
elf druid that I went on to oh, sell Spirit of the Wolf. I remember that. You were so with, cool. I was as so I ran jealous. Around, as I ran around kiting giants. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, also, 12-year-old you had uh, 40-year-old dad's credit card. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I got Corexus, my, my, my lizard man monk, to level 30 all by myself. I didn't and – then, and then after that, I just – I bought that elf and that warrior that I hated. But I, love I the played elf. EverQuest so much when we were kids, and I went back and looked at my account years later. I just kind of popped it open because you could, and my highest level was twelve. Yeah, we didn't get super high. Like, like we didn't get anywhere. All and I did was go to East Freeport or whatever it was, and and farm those orc belts. Yes, but crushbone I belts. I must have kept doing that way after they stopped giving experience or something, because I remember you could sell the the belts. The for belts like were two worth gold, a lot of money, and I yeah, because I, you could I turn know, the belts I, in for experience. I, I definitely had fun with that, but I definitely do not remember being that This is that why you it. needed WoW. You needed that job well, no, I part two. I, you no, liked see, I doing assume the it was same our task over and over again, and you never win anywhere with I, it. No, I think it, was it. Our, I think it was our age because like we, we did completely different stuff. Like I got to like level 30 with Corexus, and instead of going on to like try to get to level 50 or whatever the max level was at the time – I, I went to Greater Fade Arc and I just jumped off these huge spires continuously to max out my safe fall. And I also went into nearby zones and trained huge groups of monsters into like new players to kill them. I know what my dad did. My dad got the 56k modem bill and Ryan never played EverQuest again because that's what happened to me. God bless, God bless Kate. Listen, I EverQuest remember, was the cement that. of Morrison and mine's relationship. It was All the right, foundation. Moving on. The, the the third argument here is that the game is – the goods here are part of the service. They're not an individual item at all. They're not a good at all. They are part of the service. And I find this one entirely without merit. Goods are goods and services are services. And as Oliver Herzfeld wrote in his article, What is the Legal Status of Virtual Goods? Services are usually time-bound, inseparably delivered by the vendor and received by the purchaser, simultaneously rendered and consumed – irreversibly consumed by the purchaser and unique in terms of time, place, and other surrounding circumstances. Most virtual goods, on the other hand, do not share any of those features of services. That doesn't it, make any sense. Well, how, well, okay, so I, I can see why you what have difficulty with it. No. I, that seems like the, like if it was a service, it would sound more like a theater ticket where it's only good once you go, you watch the show, you're done with the show, and you've consumed it, and it's done. That doesn't... So the items being a service makes no sense, or what Oliver Herzfeld wrote, it makes no sense? No, like them being a service. Oh, I completely agree with what the definition is, but that doesn't define virtual goods, at least in my mind, whatsoever. What are the points for it? Because that one seems harder to justify. It, it, the it, points for it are no one understands the law here, and they're trying to figure it out. And it, it's a lot easier for legislators to just say, oh, all of those items aren't items. It's just part of the service. They can ban your account at will, which basically just means they're banning the service. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's just, like I said, it's without merit. You can buy items individually now. You can put them across accounts and across services. It's just not uh, – th there's no point in even getting more into that. The last bit is uh, that they are intellectual property. Instead of personal property, they're intellectual property. Intellectual property are your creations. They are your copyrights, your trademarks, et cetera, et cetera. And there is a strong case for this argument. But, again, it becomes riddled with issues very quickly and the one that makes it not worth rooting for is that the game company will own all of your intellectual property within the game. Yeah. So if like your items are intellectual game. property, they are the company's intellectual property. So just because I'm the super layman here, what's the difference between the the they are an intellectual property argument in the first one you said where you, you, the company owns everything anyway? I mean nothing. So that the basically the difference there is if they're valueless property. They're still property. It's still technically yours because you're buying it or you have a license to it. But it's it's all completely revocable and, and it has no value. There's no damages if you get it stolen from you, which is important. If it's intellectual property, then under the letter of the law, since you're creating it using their tools under their terms of service that says they own it, uh, then there's just – it removes any question. It's their intellectual property. It's the same as if you made – uh, you know, City of Heroes, for example, you used to design your own characters. Oh, All those Heroes. characters would be property of the game because it's user-generated content in most every game is 
the game's property. It yeah, they're they're making the the that items sounds like that the you're building. Sure, whatever with. argument. It's like, all right, yeah, whatever, it's yours, but it's still mine at the end of the day. Yeah, there's the, the only argument here where it's it's ours would be the personal property argument, uh, unless, like I said, I think the answer and solution here is to come up with a new law. I think that this needs to be looked at uh, differently than regular property, but treated with a lot of the same protections that we have with property. I think you should be able to. Uh, the, the the one that always stuck with me was that you can't leave these items to your son. You can't leave your Steam library to your kids, whatever. Uh, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. I think that's going to have to change. And I think that selling your characters will change. I think that selling your items will change. I really think that as uh, games become more more popular and bigger and bigger, we're going to have to see just more care taken on, on this side of things. Well, now I gotta ask: You've been playing and losing hours upon hours of your life since what senior year of high school, which would be about '04. So why hasn't there been any legal cases about this already? Well, it's a weird mix of the victims being underage or poor, and I was one of them for a long time. So I'm not—I say this with love, but basement dwellers don't have a lot of money. They're not going to go sue you if you rip them off. And 12-year-olds telling their parents that they got ripped off in a game are told to go play outside. Uh, also, the the anonymous nature of these games makes things very difficult. Who the hell are you going to sue? Are you going to subpoena Blizzard for the owner of Orcface11's account? They're no, not going to You're going to subpoena Orcface11, and you're going to put that orc in jail. And exactly. They, what are the damages, even, if I steal a sword from you in-game? Is it the damage at the time of the theft? Is it the damage of the sword of the time of the lawsuit is the sword even able to be sued over which as you can see the answer is very muddied and probably not you have to 3d uh, print the sword and that goes yeah, to court. right and and at what point does it even become not a civil matter but a criminal matter again the answer is probably never if these items are not personal property and it, it's it's a real mess uh where's the precedent it, it's it's not there it, it reminds me of CSGO gambling on skins, where those skins don't have any intrinsic value, but they do have a value attached by Steam's very own marketplace. And you open chests for money, so you can spend real-world money to get this stuff, and there's a lottery system aspect to it. You can resell them through Steam's marketplaces, which is uh, adds a whole other element there. So 13-year-olds can you, gamble. So, yeah, so do you exactly. think if, if they finally come to a decision on the CSGO gambling, which I would all of you recommend, even though I'm not in that podcast, you doing the one with, with Austin, uh, if there's an, a decision on that CSGO lottery thing, do you think that would affect the ability for people to do this, would it set to try to sue these companies? Yeah, I think these uh, these laws are going – Three thing, one of three things is going to happen. One, there's going to be a giant case involving a lot of money that is going to create case law and precedent throughout the land – where, you know, who knows how high of a court it gets to, but it'll be decided by the courts. The second option is the legislative body comes up and, and uh, stops doing whatever they're ever doing and writes some actual laws that will help people and figures this stuff out. They bring in experts and they actually look into it and they they uh, they, they write down what's going to make sense here. And the third option is uh, we all die in a nuclear holocaust because of Trump. But That's then we not the third fallout. option. No, but I forget. the third. What was the third option? It was legislator. It was the court's. We don't get to play Fallout, but the survivors. Oh yeah, so cut, so cut that. Oh. Uh, the third option is we ha see a body come out like the ESRB, where they said, uh, "Whoa, legislators! Whoa, courts! You guys do not understand video games, and you are making bad laws here. You are making bad precedent here. We're gonna come in and we're gonna rate ourselves. We're gonna put our own ratings on the games. We're gonna make sure that the the kids aren't buying adult games, and we're gonna police ourselves. The ESRB." Is the, is the group that polices the game industry, but they are also part of the game industry. They're not a government body. And I think we're going to see the same thing, or hopefully we see the same thing with stuff like this, where we're, we'll see some kind of gaming regulatory body who can either advise the legislators or make some rules themselves that these game companies follow. Otherwise, uh, we're just going to see bad law and, and you know, so super you, overbroad stuff. You want option three as for your profession. How would you yeah, regulate I mean, I, that? How how would how would a how would a governing body like the ESRB regulate this kind of stuff though because they would have to have they would have to have some sort of law precedent. They would, they would have to have some sort of power. And, and that's yet, why I said they would have to work with the legislators, but you're right. I mean the 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 bite to their bark would be very minimal here, but there's still things you can do and it can even be hey Blizzard, if you're not protecting players in your game from this or reimbursing them if they get screwed over, 
we're going to put sanctions on Blizzard the way ESB, ESRB would. So it's it's the kind of stuff that's possible to be done. I don't know. We'll see it. I For forever, I mean, I'm not alone in this. I think we should have a separate Supreme Court for uh, technology matters. And I think that uh, no one on the Supreme Court is fit to decide a case that has to do with technology uh, and, right and, now. And they all have to be cyborgs. Yeah, I mean, I want to see a robot Congress. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I mean, <laughs> Well, but in all seriousness, I mean, half of our uh, legislators still think angels are real. So we're not going to see stuff decided about technology anytime soon. Well, the one thing I have to ask is, and this is the question I had uh, when I was looking at this, I saw in Australia they did say virtual goods are things. And once they did that in 2006, they made it taxable. Yep. So that's another huge issue where if if you're getting – a, a sword worth ten thousand dollars. Are you going to get taxed on How it? How do you tax the sword of omens? But they yeah. they can if you buy a virtual good, which which isn't just in in these games, but any sort of virtual good is now taxable in Australia. But and the- it comes with other stuff too in Australia. There's consumer protections now, where if you order something offline, you can return it right away. And if the the virtual goods are the same as as physical goods. Then maybe you buy a cosmetic item in, in your game and you hate it. You sh- you're going to be allowed to return it right away because of Australian consumer law. Which is nice. But what happens if you get scammed? Like if, if you're if you buy this and then you end up getting scammed, but it's already you've already got taxed on it. How are you going to have you won't have legal representation if you've been scammed? Well, what happens so, if you buy a, a piece of gum and you get taxed on it and somebody steals the piece of gum? Well, you would have legal protection because it's a physical good. Hmm. So the, pro- the <laughs> so the problem I have is you're going to get taxed on an item that you won't have legal representation for. So why would the, why does the government deserve your money for the for these taxes on these virtual goods if they're not going to help represent you if you get scammed from them? Oh, so we need virtual police. Uh oh. Wow, that's that's I, that's pretty great. I, it's just a question that I have. I mean, it's it's just it, it seems kind of scary that you that the government can take money from you for something that you won't be protected for. No wonder we invited you onto this podcast. Well, I mean, I don't know Australia, but I would imagine if that was America, if they're taxing it as a virtual good and someone steals it, you would still have action. You it would be actionable. It would be criminal theft, and it would be a civil action to make yourself whole again. Is that the right answer, though? I don't. I really don't know. I, like I said, there is no good answer here. But it's important we all know that we're stuck on this question with no good answer. Uh, no matter which way this goes, there's going to be an unhappy party. There's going to be a party that is taken advantage of or not uh, properly protected. At the end of the day, use common sense. At the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter because we're all living in the Matrix anyway. Well, but in all seriousness, don't click those terrible links that are on your Skype account. Don't give other people your passwords. Don't sign up for leveling services that are going to take your account and do it for you. I don't That's care right. how. Just sign up for leveling services that won't take your account. Yeah, I mean, if they want to power run you, sure. Got you know, everybody be happy, and and just really you know think about what you're doing in all aspects of life, and I think you'll be happier. So, Morris, you were talking about when we were doing the research for this, is that uh, you were getting some video uh, messages from kids or parents of kids that have had this happen to them. And I think it's an important lesson for them to learn that unlike real life, the, they can get scammed and they're the bad guy will win. Quote unquote is uh, you got to go into the, don't go into the van with strangers. Don't talk to people online that say that they're going to give you free stuff. If you give them your password. Yeah. It needs to become part of the conversation. Like everything we teach kids, we also need to teach them to be careful online. And it's not, the 90s on AOL where you say don't send naked pictures of yourself to the guy in the AOL chat room. Now you also have to tell them don't buy them something in game. They're not going to give you the other thing they're promising. You know, make sure they give it to you first or it's it's ball in the trade window or whatever. You know, you're going to – it's weird, but you're going to have to teach your kids to play video games. Which means that you'll like. have to play video games too so you know what the straight dope is. Or don't let your kids play games that have a credit card attached to it. Otherwise, you know, you might lose your house because your kid's an idiot. That's right. Just play those free-to-play games. Or your mom plays Farmville. Long story short, there is no good answer. We're all going to die, and the world is black. Go read Snow Uh, Crash. That'll teach you about virtual worlds. Neil Stevenson, he told the truth. Wow. As always, you can follow the show at robot underscore Congress. You can follow me at Mr. Ryan Morrison. You can follow me at Robot Austin. Stop following me. You're not the government. Please and rate you... and subscribe to us on iTunes and leave Five reviews. Stars only. Good night.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.